the spring weather we have for now, although today's pretty spring-like. But um, we are, uh, we're wrapping up a three-week series we've been doing called Bloom, Bloom Where You're Planted. And the whole idea uh, behind, behind this series, kind of the main theme, is that wherever you're at in your life, whatever, whatever uh, job or, or school or place you find yourself in, God wants to use you right where you're at. And so um, as, as we're wrapping this up, I'm just going to kind of recap real, real briefly um, what we've been talking about. So we've been going through the book of Ephesians. And, and looking and, and seeing how we're all unique, how we represent God where we're planted. And so the very first week, you know, the main takeaway was when I see myself the way that God sees me, when I see myself through God's eyes, I can be who God says. And, and if you've been around church any amount of time at all, if you've ever cracked up in the Bible and read what, what God has to say about you, sometimes it seems like a pretty tall order, right? Like how in the world could I possibly do the things that, that the Bible challenges me to do? Well, you can't unless you begin to see yourself through God's eyes. You begin to see that you are a unique masterpiece. We looked at and this verse in Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew, right? Like we're not the same person that we were before we met Jesus. He is, he is renovating, reshaping our lives, making us his masterpiece so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And we, we talked about how each one of us has unique uh, purpose and calling and, and God wants to accomplish that through us. And then last week we talked about that everyone that we encounter is someone who is so valuable to our Heavenly Father, who, who was so precious to Him that He gave His life for them, and that we ought to treat people with that kind of value, which isn't our default mode. My default mode is to treat people on, on what they can do for me, on their value they bring to me. But we challenge each other that, that we are, are Christ's ambassadors wherever we live, work, and play. And, we, and the, the key verse we looked at was Ephesians 3.20. and says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, which is really good news because I don't feel like I have much mighty work and mighty power within me. But God says, don't worry about that. I'll provide that. And says he's going to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And so the, the limits are completely taken off when we, when we lean on and trust and rely on the goodness of God. And so... Um, I want to wrap up with this, this, this last week, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, your unique purpose, your unique calling in life. You know, last week we talked about how we're all called to be people who are, are active and, and, and seeing the, the message and the goodness of, of the kingdom of God brought to everyone, everyone that we're around, where we, where we live, work and play. And so this week we're going to get a little bit more specific. And so I want to start, um, I'm just asking this, this quick question. What is your dream job? Now, this is a different question than I asked in the first week of the series, where if you could be anybody you wanted to be, you know, who would you, who would you pick or who would you, whose life would you have? And so I'm saying, what is your, what is your dream role? Now, now don't, don't start thinking of like something goofy, like I want to be a professional mattress tester and, you know, you know, be the person who makes sure the mattresses are comfy enough. And that's what I do all day long is I take a nap or, or, or you know, I want to be, you know, the, the queen or king of a tropical paradise. I, I mean, a real job, like, like what, what is it in your area, your field of, of, of expertise where, where you work, uh, what would be your dream role? And what is something that you aspire to do? What is something that you know you could do well and, and thrive in? And more importantly, what is a job that you would love to have that you know that the tasks and the responsibilities of that job would, would bring life to your soul, 
right? Like we've all worked jobs that suck the life out of our soul. But what, what would be a job that you could be like, man, I would do that for free. And if someone would pay me to do it, that would be even even better. And so I don't know if you're, you're struggling right now maybe to think about what that job would be, but we can all very quickly name things that we know it is not, right? Like we, we can make a list of things like, I know this is not, not my dream job. And so we've all had, we've all had jobs, uh, we've all had classes or subjects in school that we just knew right away, like this is, this is not my cup of tea, this is not for me. There's zero doubt, not a chance that I know that this is not, not my kind of job. And, and when, um, when I was in college, for a couple of summers, I uh, worked in the summertime, John, you'll appreciate this, for, for Thompson's Gas, a propane company. And the summer job was to um, to go around on the on the routes of their their uh, all the places they serviced all the homes they serviced, and repaint the tanks. So that's all that's all the job was: get get a truck, drive to the next house, take a look at the tank, you know, paint it, repaint it. It was it was the worst. Like it was the same thing day after day after day. I mean, I have no idea how many accounts they have. But I mean, there's no end in sight, right? Like this is just something that like, every summer you just start going around and, 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 and painting these tanks. And it's not like you're taking, you know, pride in, in this work of like, they're all the same. It's really ugly, bright blue lid and a white tank. Or if it's one of the tanks that's buried in the ground, you, you painted it like this poop brown color. And, and the, the greatest thing about it was, was like the, the people, the customers, they had no idea we were coming by. So sometimes people are like, get out of my yard. I don't want that painted, you know, or, or you know, like they, they had gone out of their way to like try to hide the tank better with, with, with like a, a bush or a shrub. And then you go in there and like bright blue paint on the lid. Want to make sure the guys can find it to, to put the thing in there. People are mad at you. And I remember that the guy, I, the guy that I worked with, um, the, the, the first year I did this job was one of the, one of the guys that normally had a route in the wintertime. And, and this was his time to, to chill, right? Like during the wintertime, they're working long hours because everyone's burning through the propane, you know, keeping their, their homes heated and things like that. And so, um, th this guy, you know, and, and really this was just part of the, the culture of the company, uh, was, was like to milk the clock. And that drove like, you may not know me, know this about me, but I, I can't do that. Like not, not, not just because like, oh, I'm, I'm stealing from the company. It's not, it's not that as much as just like, I want to get the job done so I can do the things that I want to do. Like I, I want to find out the most efficient, quickest way to do anything that I ever do. Like to me, I'm the kind of personality that it's worth it to me to spend an entire day researching stuff online and watching YouTube videos and figuring out how I can do a job more quickly. Like that's, that's time well spent if I can figure out how to do something more efficiently. And this was not on the menu. It was like, do everything as slowly as possible, you know, to, to, to just fill the, the time sheet up. And it just drove me, drove me absolutely nuts. And, and there was no, no, you know, finish line. Like I love to be able to finish a project and say, look at that. I did that. It was good. We did a good job with that. Look at the work we did. Well, that's not the kind of project this was. No matter how many tanks I would do, there was an endless list of tanks waiting beyond that. And um, it was the worst job ever. <laughs> I really, like I was thinking about it as I was preparing for this message. It's like, that's the worst job I've ever had. And I'll never forget um, the, the end of, of, of doing that job. I did it for one whole summer, and then I came back and I did it for, for part of a summer. And I was going to uh, change jobs. I'd already given them my two weeks notice. I was going to change jobs and, and be a lifeguard at, at a pool. And I remember it was during the two weeks that, that I... I um, 
went out, you know, got the truck, got all the paint stuff together, and and pulled out. And I'm heading up over over South Mountain, and 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 people are honking at me, and there's lights flashing. I'm like, what is going on with everybody today? And then then I looked in the rearview mirror, and it hit me that the tailgate of the truck that I was driving was down. And in the back of the tailgate was all the paint. Well, it used to be the paint. It had all like flown out and, and made this huge, huge mess, this bright blue paint. And, and don't you know that like the, the, the mess, the big spill, right in front of Thompson's gas. I mean, like right in front of it. Like there was no question of like whose responsibility this was. So I you know, turn around, I go back to the shop. People are so mad. They've been driving their cars through this bright blue wet paint, you know. And so my job for the rest of the day was like getting paint thinner and stuff and cleaning up anybody's car who like pulled around like, what are you guys doing? You know, had to call the, the highway people and they're putting sand down. And I, in my mind, I remember thinking to this day, I'm like, man, it would be so nice if they would just fire me on the spot because I just, I don't want to do this another second of my life. Of course they didn't. You know, I'd finish out the two weeks. But we all know the feeling of, of jobs that are not suited for us. And that's not a knock on that job. Some people may love that job. They may love the, the peace and the predictability and the even pace and the low pressure, but that was, that was not for me. And so when we talk about asking the question, what is your dream job? What if I told you that your dream job, that it was yours? What, what, if, what if I told you that, that, that your dream job was already yours? You got it. Imagine that, that someone came to you and said, here's, here's this job. It's perfect for you. And all you have to do, like it's yours. You don't need to interview. You don't need to, 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 to jump through any hoops. You don't need to, to do any performance reviews. It's yours. All you have to do now is be willing to accept the on-the-job training that goes with this and grow and learn and, 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 and acquire the skills that you're going to need to be successful. Like it's already yours, guaranteed. All you have to do is say yes and be willing to be teachable, to be willing to grow. And you can start as soon as you choose. And this morning, I want, I want you to understand the truth that that is exactly what God wants to do in your life. God created you for a purpose, a purpose that is specific for you alone. In other words, the, the purpose and, and the plan that God has created you for I can't do it, and neither can the person sitting beside you. We are all called to a life's work that's perfectly designed for our personality, for our talents, for our abilities. And before you, you can object and say, and, and say this doesn't apply to me, you know, uh, even if you're here this morning and say, I'm not sure I, I believe in all this Jesus stuff. Like, before you object, I, I want to read what the, what the Bible has to say. We're going to pick it up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, this is Paul talking. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling if you have been called by God. Is that what it says? Does it say if you've been called by God? No, it says, I beg you to live the life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. There's, there's no uh, ambiguity here. There's no wiggle room. Paul comes right out and says, listen, I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling that God has put on your life because you are called by God. Your calling, your purpose isn't a question. It's a statement of fact. You are called. Even if you're not following Jesus yet, God has created you with a calling and, and with a purpose. The only question is, will you live in the direction of that calling? And Paul goes on to describe things that, that all followers of Jesus are called to do. We talked a little bit about 
these kind of things last week. He says, you know, um, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each, each other's faults because of your love. Now, when I read a verse like this, be humble, be patient, be gentle, make allowance for other people's faults. It's like, that's, that's one of those things that sounds nice to say. It's beautiful, beautifully written, isn't it? Like, make allowance for us because of your love. But then it's like reality, like, when, when people, you know, have faults around me, I don't always want to make allowances for them. <laughs> I, I, I want to be annoyed by them. I want, I want to tell them you need to fix that because it's, it's, it's making my life harder. But, but he says, because of your love. And I'll remind you guys of a verse we looked at last week because when we're talking about love, what kind of love are we talking about? Ephesians 2.19 says this, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And so, so Paul says, hey, live a life worthy of your calling. And then he talks about some of the things that we're all, all called to do. He goes on here in verse 3. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. We are all a part of the same body of Jesus. We are all called to live in love, as, as, as Paul just described. And we talked about this last week, right? Like that everyone that, that we meet is someone who, who God gave his son's life for. And that you and I were called to be Jesus ambassadors, his representatives, wherever we live, work, and play. And that we are all part of, of one body of Christ. We're all called to make disciples of Jesus. Like that's something that applies to everybody who's, who's said, I'm following Jesus with my life. That applies to all of us. However, we're not all called to be clones. We're not all called to be the same. And so this message today is not just about the things that we are all called to be. We're all called to love. We're all called to represent Jesus. We're all called to, to, to spread his love. But this morning, I want to talk more about the thing that's specific and unique to you. And so it goes on here in verse 7. However... What's the however? He's talking about, hey, we're all called to, 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 to be one Lord, one faith, one baptism, live in love. He's like, however, he has given each one of us a special gift. It doesn't say he has given special ones. It doesn't say he's given the, the talented ones, the qualified ones, the, the extra spiritual ones. What does it say? It says he's given each one. Now, you may not be an English major, but when it says each one, that counts for all of us. You are included in each one. It says he's given each one of us what kind of gift? A special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, these are not my words. This, this is what the Bible has to say. The Bible says that if you are a follower of Jesus, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, it says God's created you with a unique purpose, unique calling, and he's given you special gifts unique to you. And, and, and I, I, you know, did a little bit of, of, of digging on this, this verse this week. And, and if you look at the, the original, like, the, the, this 
book was written in, in Greek, okay? And so if you can just kind of do a literal one-to-one word translation of, of, of the Greek into English, this is kind of what it says here. It says, you know, however he has given, each one of us has been given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, have you ever worked on a custom project where you needed to measure something? Maybe maybe a woodworking project, or 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 something for for window treatment. If you've ever worked on anything where you worked on on a custom project, and you've had to measure it, you understand how important it is to get the measurement right, right? Like like. Um, if you live in an old house that doesn't have standard size windows, like, you know, it's really important to get the measurement right if you're going to replace that window. If you've ever, you know, created something to fit into to a certain spot in, in, in your home, or if you've ever created something that, that goes on, on a certain uh, a vehicle, if you ever had to fabricate anything, you understand how important measurements are, especially when it comes to custom things. You know that you just can't go to the store and buy the part that'll fit in that spot. You can't just go and, and, and buy the piece of fabric that'll go in, in that outfit, that, that, that top, that, that whatever it is. If you've ever done anything custom, you understand how important it is to get the measurements. And the more detailed the project is, the more precise the measurement has to be, right? And so think about it this way. Customized things, they always cost more, right? Like we just know if, it's, if something says custom, it's going to cost more than standard, right? It doesn't really matter if, 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 it's, if it's a, a meal at a restaurant or, or a, a, a car, like custom costs more. Custom windows cost more. Custom clothing that's been tailored to you costs more. Cars, etc. whatever it is. And the God who created you has measured you. Not just like, you know, measured you like, okay, I'm getting larger as I get older and, and store fat more readily. No, he's measured your soul. He's measured your personality. He's measured everything about you. And he has given you gifts for Jesus that are custom made just for you. I want you to just think about that for a moment. Just let that sink in for a second. No matter what you may believe or think about yourself, the Bible says that God has created gifts for you, custom made to fit you, only you. Because you were created on purpose for a purpose only you can do. Now, I know that, that sometimes that's hard to believe. And I just want to keep reading on here in Ephesians 4. It says this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And this is the list that comes to mind when we think about spiritual roles, right? Like, oh, okay, yeah, like these are the things we think about when we think about having a calling from God, being called by God. Oh, yeah, one of those people. And we think about the, the professional Christians, so to speak. But that's not, what, that's not what the Bible says. It says that all of us are called. And if you read on here, it says the people that, that function in these roles, you know, the, the pastors, the teachers, you know, the, the quote-unquote professionals in our culture, look what it says that, that their job is. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So, the people that we think about, when you think about if someone comes up to you and says, yes, I've been called by God, like what's the first thing that comes to mind? You think missionary pastor, right? Like they're going into some kind of professional, vocational role in church. 
And the Bible says that job, that role, is to prepare God's people, to equip them to do God's work. And so no matter what you do, where you find yourself in life, you are called by God to do his work. And being called by God does not necessarily mean moving overseas to become a missionary. Being called by God does not necessarily mean that you're going to change your job. Being called by God doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get up on a platform and talk in front of people and crowds. It doesn't mean all those things, although it certainly could. Because this is really important. You are not your job. You're not your GPA. You are not what you do. Because sometimes your calling and your job are the same. And sometimes your job is just what funds your calling. In other words, what you do for a living, what you do for income, what you do that pays the bills, doesn't necessarily mean that that is the purpose God's created you for, and that is okay. Maybe God has put you where he has you right now, and the job you're in, not to fulfill all of, all of your, your purpose and calling, but that's there to fund it. That's there to provide a way so that you can live out the calling that God has given in your life, not just in your job, but in all the areas of your life. If we read on, it just, it just keeps kind of unpacking this idea further. It says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And this is what I want you to hear this morning, that when we live in the direction of our calling, it keeps your life on course, even in the middle of, of a storm. You see, when we, when we live in the direction of our, the purpose that God's created for us, that will keep your life on track through storms. We've all experienced storms, right? right? Like, like none of us have gone through life and not had some hard times, right? And hard times have a unique way uh, of, of making us rethink and, and, and question all the things in our lives. Begin to question, am I making the right decisions? Am I, am I, are the things that I have assumed are true, are they really, really true? And, and the bigger the crisis, the more you question. And having a life where you're living in the direction of your calling keeps your life on course through storms. And we all know people, right, who have decided to jettison a ton of what they believe. They've decided to, to live their life in a whole new direction as an outcome of a crisis when things didn't unpack in, in, in a good way, when, when they had to go through something that was heart-wrenching or, or, or terrible. And their lives end up off course. And you can just look back, you know, because for you, it's not emotional. It's not your life. You, it's a friend looking from the outside, looking in. You're like, man, they just made some bad choices in the middle of that season of their lives. And they just, they've never gotten back on course. And it's just gone from, from one bad cycle, one bad season to another. When we live in the direction of our calling, when we live a life worthy of the calling we've received, when we find our uniqueness and our purpose in Christ, it'll keep your life on course even through storms. It goes on in verse 15, it says, instead, instead of what? Instead of getting off course, instead of being blown and tossed about like a, like a ship without a sail, instead of that, it says, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. 
you have a special work that no one else can do. And it goes on and says this, when each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Now, in American culture, we have been conditioned since birth to idolize and love and worship independence. Like, it's, it's just, it's in our blood, right? Like, like, we admire people who seemingly do all kinds of things, accomplish great feats in their career and their lives on their own without anyone's help. I can do this on my own. But we all know that that's really not true. Like, even the ones that, that, that seem like they're an individual sport or an individual achievement, like if you, if you read a biography about someone's, someone's great achievements in life, you see all the team players that are there that, that helped that person get to where they were at. No one gets there on their own. No one is on an island. And the Bible describes the church as a body, you know, like as a physical body. And this is what we, we, we know. It's obvious that the individual parts of our body, they're not independent. They're, they're all needed, right? And, and you have to look no further than, than someone who's had the, had the you know, unfortunate, unfortunate you know, circumstances to maybe be missing some parts, either from birth or through an accident. It makes their life more difficult and more challenging. But all of us know that, like, you know, our, our, our thumb can't, can't do much on its own. I mean, you chop that sucker off, it just lays on the ground and bleeds, right? But when it's attached to your hand and attached to your arm and, and, and functioning by your brain, you can do all kinds of things with your hand. And we all know this, right? Let's, I don't need to, like, unpack this thought very far. But the Bible describes you and I as the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part. And when I do my part... When I walk in the calling that God's placed on my life, it helps you do your part. And when you do your part, when you live in, in, in the purpose and the unique calling that God's put on your life, it helps me do my part. You see, because your calling is never just about you. And, and it's easy to get laser focused on, on what does God want for my life and what does he want to accomplish and do through me and what are the goals that, that, that I need to achieve but it's never just about you. You're living out your calling. You're living out your uniqueness. is isn't just about you. When you and I, when we decide that we're just going to, you know, just roll through life, just do my best, try to be a good person, and I'm not going to focus too much on, on trying to, to really dig in and figure out what is it that, that God wants to do in me, what does God want to challenge, what does God want to change. You, you may be tempted to think that that's just about your life. Well, you know, it's, it's my life. I'm just going you know, to go on cruise control here. Like, I know God loves me, and I'm going to do my best to be a good person and, and, and you know, be generous, but I'm still just going to just roll through life and kind of make, make my decisions. When you choose to do that, you are harming not just yourself, but the rest of the body of Christ. Because it's not just about me, and it's not just about you. And we, we have a tendency to think about purpose and calling as, as a destination, right? Like, like some of you, you may have an idea, even as I've been talking and preaching this morning, you may have an idea in your head like, oh, I know. Like that's something God's calling my, called me to do in my life. Or I know that this is a part of, of, of what God wants to do through me. And it's like this dream in your head. And you're just kind of going through life waiting for that to happen. You see, but your calling isn't a destination. You have to live in the direction of your calling. And this, this is what I mean by this, okay? The very, very first time 
that, that God spoke in, into Tilly and I's lives about, about starting a new church, about church planting. The year was 2007. So if you're quick with math, that was 16 years ago. I'm not quick with math. I got my calculator out for that one and wrote it down. But that's been, it's been a minute, right? It's 16 years. Now, there have been many, many, many lessons we have learned along the way in those 16 years. There's many things that we've gone through and done. I've spent seasons working in church. I've spent seasons working in fast food. And here's the thing. If, if I had not lived in the direction of my calling, if I just sat back like, okay, God's called me to start a church and someday that circumstance is just going to magically present itself to me and I'm just going to go through life and just do what I've been doing and wait for that time to come. That's not the way it works. You have to live in the direction of your calling. You have to take steps that, that, that further you along and that's what, that's what we, we, we did. We've done over the years. We, we've had two really horrible experiences trying to start churches that, that, that went nowhere. I mean, I mean, Nowhere. I know we're just getting started and there's not a lot of us in this room, but I mean like not even close to getting to this point in a journey of starting a church. And we, we learn, through the, learn things through that that we wouldn't have learned any other way. And God changed things in my heart and my character that he wouldn't have changed any other way. And so when I say you've got to live in the direction of your calling, you've got to take a next step. You've got to, you've got to be obedient to what God is telling you to do today to see what he wants to dream for your life tomorrow. And we have a tendency in life to just want to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, treat this like, a, like, a, like a, a union job. I'm going to put in my time, and at the end of the time, I'm going to get the payoff. I just need to do my time, you know, show up, keep doing what I'm doing, be faithful, and then at some point, I'm going to be rewarded for that. But that's not how personal development works. That's not how God works in our lives. God is active in your life today. And there are things that God wants to challenge you on today. There are things that God wants to, 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 to have you step out in faith on today that's going to prepare you for what God has for you tomorrow. And see, we don't think about it in terms of that. We think about, okay, well, at some point I know, you know, this, this is what God wants for my life. Or, or you may think, yeah, down the road I have this dream. You're never going to get to where your dream is at without taking risks and taking steps today. And some of us were, were, were paralyzed by fear of failure or, or fear of setbacks. And you've got to get that out of your head. Failure is, is, is a way that, that we learn and grow. Failure can be our teacher. Because all of us, I'm, I want you to, to, to remember this this morning. Say, we say this one thing? You were created on purpose for a purpose only you can do, okay? So break it up in, in, in three things. I just want, want to do this to, to, to drive it home in your brain this morning. So here we go. Get, don't, don't, don't leave me hanging, okay? Like you got to help my self-esteem out this morning and, and say along with me, all right? So one, two, three. You were created on purpose for a purpose only you can do. All right, one more time. You were created on purpose for a purpose only you can do. Only you can do. Now we tend to think the, the, the things that, that only one person can do are, are somehow, they require extraordinary talent. Extra, you know, oh, that person's such a gifted leader, or that person's such a gifted musician, or athlete, or whatever. And we think about things that we know only one person can do. You know, you think about pro sports, there's just, you know, very, very small number of people who can, who can be that athletic and jump that high and, and have those kind of reflexes. But the Bible says all of us were created with unique purpose and there's a calling in your life that only you can do. And so um, I've got 
um, I've got homework for you this week. Okay, so, so uh, don't, don't cringe too much. I, I think you'll actually uh, enjoy this exercise. But uh, Trini's going to hand out a paper I'm going to have you guys hang on to. And if you're serious about taking your next step, this is the tool that will help you, help you do that. And so while she's, she's, she's passing those out, as I said, you've got to take the next step. You've got to take action. If you want to see the, 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 the dreams got hatchery tomorrow, you're going to have to take steps today. And so there's three areas I want to, I want to challenge you to pray through. We're going to put them on the screen here. So, so think of them as three circles. The first circle is this, passion. I want you to pray through this question. What is it that fuels you the most? What, is it, what are the things that get you excited that you would get up and do for free all day, every day? And think about, think about them in terms of things that maybe you love to do that you know other people hate to do. Like, like I, love, I love to sit down and build a good system for something. My wife does not. She's like, can we just do it? Like, I don't really care about figuring out a way to make it, you know, reproducible, repeatable, and whatever. I just want to be done with it. And, and vice versa, my wife is, is, is amazing at, at, at always thinking through and taking time to think about how other people are thinking and feeling and, and maintaining and growing relationships. And that's awesome. And I think, well, that's great, but I've got something I'm trying to get done right now. So we'll get to the relationship stuff later. I'm, I'm on a mission. And we're all wired differently. And the things that you love, the things that you're passionate about, Think about those things that you love that you know other people don't. And this all has to be filtered through prayer. So don't think about this in, in terms of, of just passion and like emotion only. Like, oh, I just really love, you know, this. But, but kind of let, let this verse give it a little, little um, context. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So when I'm talking about passion, don't like... Don't get and be like, oh, I'm passionate about classic cars. God has called me to collect them. You know what I mean? And I, I, mean, I know we're giggling right now, but here's the, here's the crazy thing about God. He absolutely could possibly use someone who loves to collect classic cars to do his work. But you, bet, you better filter that sucker through prayer before you go out and, and mortgage your house to pick up that, you know, 57 whatever. I don't know. I'm not a car guy. But you get what I'm saying. You've got to filter through prayer. So I want you to, on this piece of paper, pray through it. And you can list out five or so things that you're interested in. These can be activities you, you enjoy, things you do for fun, what you check out when you have a free moment. So list four things maybe that you're excited about. These are the sort of things that, that you work or play, that you plan in advance for these things. You look forward to them. These are tasks that fill you with energy. And even just preparing for them gets you excited. Maybe, maybe list some of the things that you're driven by. These, these are things that you are bound to do or address. You can't stop yourself. They, they, they get you up in the morning. They, they engage you. When you work on this kind of stuff, it makes you feel alive. You will instinctively find a way to do these kinds of things even when there's no obvious way. And then list one or two things that you are burdened for. These are the kind of things that keep you up at night. These are the places of pain or imperfection in the world that you just can't let go of. You can't live without doing something about it. That first circle is passion. And so take, take time this week, take this piece of paper and pray, pray through it and just, just begin to jot down some of the things that come to mind that you're like, man, that, that fires me up. Everything from hobbies to, to, to things you see in the world, you're like, man, that, that just, that needs fixed. Someone needs to do something about that. Second circle is this, your ability. And the question here is, what can I do the best? Again, we want to filter all this stuff through prayer. This isn't what do I want to be 
good at. These are the things that, that, that come naturally to me, that, that other people say is, is, is an effort. And Romans, Romans 12, 6 through 8 says it this way. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak it out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if God has given you a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. But pray on, think on, what are the things that I'm just naturally good at? The, the things that, that you do, and we all have this. You just, you just need to, to, to pray on and think about it. Some of you may think of yourselves in, in, in a really low, low way, and like, oh, I'm actually not really good at anything. Like, I'm just mediocre at everything, and there's so many other talented people around me. No, that's not true. There are things that you do that you discount because you're like, well, that's easy. It's easy for you because it's the way God made you. It's not easy for everybody else. And you have things in your life, and, and, and just, you know, if you come up with blanks, pray on it, and ask the people around your life that, that you know and trust that, that, that love you. Like some of the things that, that you just do naturally so well, so effortlessly, that other people, it is, it is, a, it is a chore to do, right? And, and we, all have these, we all have these things. You know, as I mentioned earlier, like just some of the simple differences between my wife and I. There are things that she does extraordinarily well. Like, you know, I talk about painting those gas tanks as, as a job. Like I'm not allowed to paint anything in our home. Because I, I don't really want to, like, make it perfect. I just want to make it done. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so for that reason, I'm not allowed to paint. But, but other, others, you have things that you are great at doing. Ask the people around you. And the last one is this, the circle of context. Where is my impact the greatest? And I want you to think about the settings in which you, you thrive in, Okay. Are you great interacting with a lot of people or do you do your best work when, when, when you're alone in solitude? Do you like working with ideas or like working with hands-on things? Do you prefer making the decision or do you prefer advising on it? Do you prefer flexible or structured schedule at, at your week by week? Do you prefer to, to have a, a, a constantly changing pace of, of life and work or do you prefer, hey, I want it I want to set it on cruise control and, and it's predictable. Do you prefer to read or listen? Do you prefer writing or speaking? You see, all these things are unique to you. And all these, these three different circles of, of passion, of, of giftedness, of ability, and of context, when, when, you, when you write down all those things, then look for where that sweet spot is. What are the things in my life where all these three things can converge? What are the places where, where, where I'm passionate about, where, where I also can, can make a contribution with the things that I am good about and in the areas and the, 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 the context and circumstances where I work best? And you identify that. And that is, is your life's sweet spot. That is how God has wired you. And that can be a way that God can help you to discover what are the things that he has uniquely called you to do that no one else can do. And then, and then God will use that and use you in those circumstances, in those situations, to do what only you 
can do. And this could lead you on a career path where, where it puts you into a certain job, or it could just be that your job stays exactly the same as it is, and you recognize that, you know, my life's purpose and my life's work isn't necessarily what I do for my nine to five, but my in my nine to five, God has called me to do these things and do them well, and it just gives me life. And here's the exciting thing. I mean, sometimes we think about the the idea that, okay, God wants me to do certain things, and we kind of approach it with this idea of, of, of dread, that, oh, God, God's going to ask me do things I know I don't want to do. And we think about, you know, maybe maybe what we've seen other people do in church settings, you know, whether it's, it's, it's preaching or, or doing something on a platform or doing some of these traditional church roles. You think, man, none of that looks like I, things I want to do. And so we think, oh, if I, if I ask God what he wants me to do, he's going to tell me to do one of those things. Well, he might, but it might be something that hasn't even occurred to you. God may want to do something new through you, may want to do ministry through you in a new way that no one's ever thought about before. Our God is infinitely creative. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this in prayer today, but I, I want you to take time this week to pray through these things because you were created on purpose, for a purpose only you can do. And when you do your part, it helps everybody else do their part. And I promise you that if you take the time to ask God and to pray through these things, he will reveal to you, maybe not immediately, but over time, remember, you have to live in the direction of the calling God's given you life. You can't just wait for it to come and happen to you. God will, will, will reveal and lead you down a path that takes you into a life that you could have never dreamed of on your own. I know that that's, that's true in my life. And certainly it didn't feel like it. There are times where it's like, God, what the heck are you doing? Because I am getting nowhere fast. Little did I know all of it was part of God's plan. And, and do me a favor, resist the temptation to just sit back in your chair of life and be like, yep, it's God's plan. So if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. That's not how it works. We've got to do our part. We got to do our part. We got to listen. We got to grow. We got to step out in faith. If we don't do our part, God won't be able to do his part. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am uh, just in awe that you've created us so, so uniquely and that, that, that there's no limit to your creativity in our lives and your purpose in our lives. And God, I, would you help us, Holy Spirit, to recognize and to, to put in the work to see what you have called each of us to do individually, Lord. The, the, the things that, that you've planted in our hearts, the, the way you have, have woven together our passion and our abilities, Lord God, and, and the ways and the situations that we work best. Lord God, would you help us to take those things and use them for your purpose and your plan in our lives, Lord. And God, help us to remember when things don't feel like they're going great and when, you, when we're walking through hard seasons, help us to remember, God, that you are leading us down a path that is best for us and that if we push through the struggle, if we push through the, the, the pain of, of, of hard times, Lord, that on the other side we come out stronger and more confident and we come out with, with an unshakable peace in your goodness. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us this week, I pray. In your name.
Amen. Amen. I want to thank all you guys for being here this morning.